Hi, I'm Douglas Haynes, your Monday host of A Public Affair. We love creating this public space for in-depth conversations about education, ecology, food, and so much more. To keep these conversations going, we need your support. Go to wortfm.org slash donate. Thank you. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio. Welcome to a public affair. I'm your Monday host, Douglas Haynes. Today is a public affairs annual book show with Gretchen Troy, co-owner of Madison Independent Bookstore, A Room of One's Own. We're going to talk about great new books, book gift ideas for all ages this holiday season, as well as the state of the book world and local independent bookstores. If you haven't been into A Room of One's Own uh, lately, uh, it's down on Atwood Avenue on Madison's east side, where the store moved in 2020 and 2021. And the store looks great. There's so much to see, and we're going to hear all about it today from my guest, Gretchen Troy. Gretchen Troy has been a co-owner of A Room of One's Own since 2018. Before that, they worked in the store for 11 years. And in 2020 and 2021, they help oversee that move from downtown Madison to Atwood Avenue on the east side. Welcome back to A Public Affair, Gretchen. It's great to have you with us again. Thanks for having me on again. Thank you. And welcome, listeners. We'd love for you to join our conversation today about books. If you'd like to share a question or perspective about the world of books and book selling, or you have books from the year that are favorites for you that you'd like to tell us all about, please do give us a call. Or if you're looking for some book recommendations for someone in your life, this is a good chance to uh, have a bookseller sort of uh, virtually sell you some books or virtually recommend you some books uh, from someone who's been paying attention to what's out there right now and what people are enjoying. Uh, give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9. We're going to uh, involve our engineer, Andrew Thomas, who's uh, a frequent host of Madison BookBeat in the show as well today, and producer Jadai Siri Ramos. Both of them have uh, questions about books to join the conversation with as well. But we'll start, Gretchen, by just having you tell us a little bit about Room's Books of the Year. Uh, I have this... Lovely, a little uh, catalog, a Room of One's Own bookstore holiday catalog here in the studio with me. And it starts off with both Room's best-selling books of 2023 and then features on the books of the year. Um, tell us about those books of the year, how they're decided, and, and what is standing out to your staff these days. Sure. Um, well, thank you so much, Um First of all, we have such an incredible group of booksellers at Room right now. Um, I can't praise them enough. They read so widely. Um, they read so many books that I could never get to or even think, oh, maybe I'll try that one. Um, and they find just such brilliant gems, um, especially in the small press world. Um, so the books of the year are all staff driven. We try to be as democratic as possible about it. Anybody nominates and then um, Fozzie, who does our catalog beautifully, um, put together kind of a, here's what everyone was nominating and let's all vote. And these were the ones that won. So um, not everybody on staff has read all of them, but, and like, you know, for the people who 
don't read whatever genre they maybe would never consider picking that book up. So we kind of lean on each other and trust each other a lot. Um, and we just have some really great readers. So this year, I feel like we've got some good, like kind of hidden gems. Like we're, our books of the year are not what's being splashed all over the New York Times, but they're like hugely, hugely important to our particular booksellers in our particular community. Um, so the nonfiction book that we voted on was called Working Girl on Selling Art and Selling Sex by Sofia Giovanniti. Um, Giovanniti, I don't know how to say her last name, I apologize. Um, Charlie and Fozzie both gave blurbs in the catalog about it and they both just thought it was such an insightful um, work of memoir and um, kind of manifesto in terms of supporting sex work as like a vocation and also um, very nuanced approach to talking about what sex work is and can be and what this particular person's experience was. Um, so yeah, then the, the fiction book of the year was Any Other City by Hazel Jane Plant. Um, this one I did read a little bit of before I got distracted, which is a common experience of mine. Um, I have small children, but it's a, it's a really a brilliantly written book. Hazel Jane Plant writes very kind of experimental small press books. We had her actually for an event for this book and it's, um, she's a trans woman writing about a trans woman rock star. And it's kind of goes back and forth in time between kind of this person's future and kind of, reflecting back on her past as like maybe pre-transition or just about when she was beginning to transition. And it's like, she just has such a stunningly sharp way of writing, like very, there's so much packed into a very few lines. Um, it feels like the kind of book that you really sink into the world and you feel like she's created not just a character, but like an, an experience whole cloth that you're stepping into as a read. So um, yeah, the children's book, that one is the one I contributed a blurb for. It's so beautiful. I love Ojimora's work. Um, that's the illustrator of the book. It's called I'm From by Gary R. Gray Jr. and Ojimora. It's a book about a black child um, and it, it addresses microaggressions that black children experience but it does it in this like really lovely way where it's centering their experiences at home and then like showing how their lives are normal and beautiful and wonderful and supported and uplifted. And then how jarring it is to like go to school and then have some other kid come up and say, well, where are you really from? Or, well, why do you do things that way? That's weird um, kind of stuff. And just, it's such a beautifully, written poem that's been incredibly gorgeously illustrated. Um, Ojimora does these really lovely collage artworks that are, that just feel like it's, it's all the materials in this child's life that are brought together beautifully and showing you like the, the beauty of the art that is his life is just incredible. It's a beautiful book and it's, I think would make a really lovely um, story time read. It's such a lilting, beautiful um, poem. 
and there's a, like just so much to discover on each page. I'm really excited to check that one out. Uh, my youngest daughter loves Ojimura's Saturday, which we've yes. read probably a hundred times at bedtime. <laughs> um, and it is that wonderful combination of just sharp, simple language and really evocative original illustrations that, that take you into these scenes. And the specificity. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of children's books sometimes try to be, like, too much to everyone. And so they are, you know, they don't center an experience, like a particular experience. But Ojimura's projects, whether illustrating or illustrating and writing, always seem to have, like, such a strong sense of reality and place um, that I think is really beneficial for children. It, it gives them something that's really real to consider. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, Gretchen. And that one's called, again, I'm From by Gary Gray and Ojimura. That was uh, Room's book of the children's book of the year. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then you had a, um, sorry, what's the other genre here? It's genre. um, That's our catch-all term for like mystery, fantasy, sci-fi, horror um, comics. So this one is one I have not yet read, although I'm excited to. It's a horror novel called Fever House by Keith Rosan. Um, and both of the staff who read it and loved it just say it's like offbeat wild. Like you don't know what's going to happen. It's um, just a really gripping, fun read. It has this like very striking cover of like a devil's hand throwing up rock star horns kind of. Um, it's just like zombies aliens maybe you don't even know what's happening and just a a fun experience for anyone who can deal with the gore (laughs) all right so four very different books as your books of the year there (laughs) at room of one zone uh you're listening to a public affair on wrt 89.9 fm madison my name is douglas haynes and i'm talking today with gretchen troy co-owner of a room of one's own bookstore in madison this is our annual december book show if you have favorite books from the year that you'd love to tell us about tell the world about give us a call 608-256-2001 extension 9 we'd love to hear your recommendations or if you are looking for a book for someone uh, right now, this is a good chance to ask an experienced bookseller about uh, what's out there right now. Or if you have a question about the world of books and independent booksellers right now, uh, this is a great place to ask your question or share your perspective. So 608-256-2001, extension 9, to join the conversation today. Gretchen, I want to follow up on uh, something you mentioned a couple of times uh, in our Intro here is small presses, and I noticed uh, really in the front of the store you have this huge bookcase of small press um, books, and I'd love for you to tell us more about, first of all, how you find those books, and then what the relationships are like with the publishers. Do you have to develop special relationships to, to have so many small press books in the bookstore and have them keep coming in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the small press section is our general manager, Anita's like baby. She has done an incredible job of developing that um, from like a dream into that pretty large expanse of kind of bookshelf real estate there right in the front. Um, and it gets shopped really well. She goes out of her way to find just like 
such offbeat, cool, beautifully packaged, um, the kinds of books you didn't even know existed. And like, there are five readers for them, but we're going to find them. You know what I mean? Like small press books really shine when, again, they aren't trying to be everything to everyone. They're not going to be this like very mainstream, like been through kind of the, the meat grinder of publishing um, sanitized stuff. They're going to be weird. They're going to be strange. Um, they're, or they're just beautiful um, and affecting pieces of art. Um, we do actually have a few staff members who are very keen on reading small press books and each of them has almost a different niche in the small press world of reading. Um, although there's plenty of overlap. I know like Charlie likes to read a lot of fiction in translation, um, which is incredible. Like just having a lot of small presses, especially are bringing works from other countries and other languages into English and giving them these lovely packages and helping contextualize what kind of those particular books are doing in their original language. Um, and yeah, and Anada especially is very interested in art and poetry as well. And so she does a lot of work, tireless work, um, talking directly with different publishers or small press distributors um, to try and build those relationships, try and get a lot of these beautifully done books into our store. Um, and it's something that we've kind of decided we're going to take chances on because not all of it is going to sell. And unlike kind of the more traditional publishing houses and distributors, you generally can't return most small press books depending on the press. Um, so everything that we bring in like, is very carefully considered um, whether it's going to be appealing to at least someone. It certainly won't be appealing to everyone. That's for sure. Yeah. One of those jumped right off of the shelf at me that I'm sure it doesn't appeal to everyone, but it was one of those <laughs> works in translation you were talking about by a, a 19th century German author, sort of obscure 19th century German author who wrote about a spirituality and, and nature and um, sort of uh, a 19th century philosopher that uh, I had never run into before, but because it was there uh, face out on the shelf, the title jumped out of me. Like you said, it was a beautifully presented book um it's a wonderful service that you're doing there by highlighting those small press books and i, I think oh, it's hard to find as well yeah um i know like people talk about the internet as this kind of like wonderful clearinghouse for small presses but um i find that it's it's such a fire hose of information that it can be really hard to know where to look um and so having somebody whose taste you can trust to sort of help curate and like sift through a lot of that um, and find those gems and make them available um, and knowable to you is really helpful, I think. Absolutely. Um, while we're on the subject of different kinds of materials other than big trade books uh, that you will certainly find at a room of one's own, but they also have all these other kinds of materials. I know um, our producer, Andrew, wanted to ask you, Gretchen, about zine culture and self-publishing in the bookstore and uh, self-published books in the bookstore and how that um, material comes to you. So, Andrew, I'll turn it over to you. 
Yeah, thanks, Douglas. And uh, thank you all for this this conversation. Um, Gretchen, I was interested just what uh, Room of One's Own role is with uh, the zine community here in Madison. What does the zine community look like? Um, maybe if folks are interested in getting into that, how, you know, what would be a good first step? And then also just uh, self-published authors. I've interviewed a couple of self, self-published self authors on Madison BookBeat, um, the show that airs right after this on, on Mondays. And I, again, I was curious, what is Room's relationship with um, local writers here in the Madison community? Sure. Um, that's Those are great questions. We um, have been getting more and more into carrying zines. We're starting to reach out more and more to especially local zine makers, but also um, more international or national zine makers who are in our kind of queer and trans and abolitionist sort of specialties. Um, or again, just like the offbeat and quirky things that interest our particular booksellers. Anything that someone is going to be really excited about, we try to find a way to bring it in. Um, so yeah, we originally at our old location um, back before we lost Rainbow Bookstore, which was a huge blow to the community. Um, they handled a lot of zines. And so we kind of tried to let them be the zine people. Um, and then now that we've lost them, and now that we have kind of reinvented our space, we are starting to promote more and more zines. Um, we have Anada, the small press manager, and Fozzie Taylor, who is our social media manager, are both kind of our top zine people, um, again, in very different directions and tastes, but again, bringing together multiple tastes can make for a more interesting stew. Um, so yeah, it's something that we're starting to develop out more um, and they bring them in as we have space and as they have like time and ability to consider. Um, Regarding self-publishing, that's such a big can of worms that I am not actually super qualified to talk about, so I'm not going to opine too much on it. Um, like, people have such varying experiences of self-publishing. Um, there are a lot of predatory self-publishing companies out there that will just take people's money and not give them a very good product. So I just urge people to do research and talk to other people who have self-published um, before you just jump on the first thing you find, which I'm sure very few people would do. Um, we generally try to carry what we can that is self-published. Often we'll do it on consignment with the author. So that means that they bring us some copies and then after they sell, you know, periodically we send them a check. Or if they haven't sold in X amount of time, I forget what it is, like six months or a year, we may say, okay, you know, just like any other book, it's time to let this one go. Um, but we aren't really that involved or experienced in the publishing side of self-publishing. So yeah, we're, we're sort of at the tail end after you have the product and you're, you're ready to get it out in the world. Um, and again, the experience of that can vary hugely based on what the person's community connections are like and what the book is and how they are positioning it and what hustle they can put into getting it out there and getting people to know about it because really it's, it's, that kind of connection between the author and the reader that sells those books for the most part. Um, sometimes it can be, we get lucky and it's just like that lightning strike of the perfect book at the perfect moment and everyone's buying it. Um, but that is true of literally any book, you know? 
Absolutely. Um, thank you for giving us a little insight into those worlds. I noticed zines are among the best-selling books of 2023. They were number seven of the, the 20 listed there. Um, just zines altogether, is that right? Of all the yeah. zines that you have? <laughs> So uh, yep. these are not just sitting in the back of the store collecting dust. People are really looking at these and taking them home, it sounds like. Yeah. And um, we, you know, we'll do various promotions or, or bundles. And sometimes zines are involved in that. And that can help kind of bump sales on them. Um, there's a website called Fair that a lot of bookstores use now to source things like greeting cards and stickers. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but we have a bajillion stickers at room and they're all incredible. <laughs> um, and, but we also can get a lot of zines and it's just a really great way that some people like makers and crafters and artists who are trying to sell products like zines or stickers, um, can make them easily available to stores like us. So rather than us developing individual relationships with 400 different makers, we can just go on fair and basically buy them wholesale from them kind of streamlines that the boring part uh-huh uh-huh and like you said it brings in all this sort of originally visually original visually engaging material into the store that you just find in little pockets everywhere yeah yeah uh, while we're on the subject of those bestsellers let's look at those a little bit more deeply right now so i mentioned zines at number seven uh a few of these jumped off the the list to me that i have familiar with that i have familiarity with um I'll start with those and then I'll let you uh, maybe expand on others that jumped out. So these are Room's best-selling books of 2023 or among Room's best-selling books of 2023. So one thing that jumped right out at me, first of all, was number nine is Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer, which actually came out a decade ago now and has had numerous different editions. Um, I just wanted to ask you, Gretchen, uh, when you see people buying this book or when you talk to people about this book, what is... What is the enduring appeal? What is making this book really last as a a permanent semi or at least semi-permanent impact on the literary world of the United States? It's such a beautiful book. Like it it does so many things on so many different levels, I think. Um, But hugely, it's very much about connection. Like it, it gives people a way to connect to the land and to the history of the land that we don't otherwise have access to. It's um, unapologetically indigenous. Um, It's very, it's just, it's it's beautiful. It gives you ways to talk to other people. I think it's also been such a word of mouth book that that like magic of somebody recommended this book to me and then I read it and I was changed by it. And now I have this like strengthened bond with the person who recommended it experience. Um, I think, I hear a lot of people say like, oh, somebody gave that book to me. I'm going to buy it for you. Kind of overhearing that sort of conversation or people choosing it as a gift because someone else had given it to them. Um, so I think it has just a really meaningful and almost quiet or understated impact on people's lives. It it certainly wasn't like a big splashy flash in the pan kind of book that everyone bought and then nobody read. Um you know, very different from a celebrity memoir, say, where you got to buy it right now and read it now so that you know what people on Twitter are talking about. Mm -hmm. Like people aren't on Twitter to talk about braiding sweetgrass. They're doing it face to face over tea or like 
with family members or coworkers. Um, I think it just has that, that sense of community writ into it in a, in a really special way. Yes, yeah, really lovely what you just said about uh, people having the book gifted to them and them gifting it to somebody else. It really embodies the whole message and spirit of the book, which is reciprocity and the idea of of giving and that our relationship with the land is this relationship of reciprocity where the land gives to us and we need to give back to the land. But it's not preachy in that sense. I mean, it helps you look at all these different aspects of nature around you and say, hey, I could be involved with nurturing that aspect of na- nature. Um, when I look at cattails, I look at them differently now than, than I did because of Robin Wall Kimmerer or pecans or any kind of mass fruiting nut, hickory nuts. Um, uh-huh. She just helps you see the world around you differently. And it's also, like you said, a book that you can dip back into. It's, it's essays that are definitely connected, braided together, but you can also read them independently. And, and to me, that makes it uh, a book that I can keep coming back to very easily as well. Yeah. Uh, All right. So that's Braiding Sweetgrass number nine on bestsellers at Room this year. Uh, Again, a book that came out in 2013. Um, Let's talk about a couple of more recent ones. Uh, This is a novel, one that I haven't read, but I have heard many, many good things about. uh, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Can you tell us a little bit more about that one at number three in the bestseller list? Yeah, that one was a surprise to me that that was high on the list. I don't know why, because so many people read and loved it um but it it just feels like one that everyone bought last christmas um one of our staff really really loved it it's a very millennial book um it's very um it's about game designers so there's kind of a game hook like there's actually an emily dickinson inspired video game you can go online and play that's related to the book it's like the game that they're developing in the book which is kind of a fun meta thing um, but it's just, you know, great characters, great writing draws you in like just a really solid book for an audience that hasn't been getting a lot of that kind of book, I think. Yeah. yeah. Hey Douglas, I'm going to, I'm yeah, in. Jump is, in, Jade. Uh, Jade, the producer of a public affair. Um, that is probably one of my favorite books of 2023. Um, but I will say the it's suspenseful like I I think that that was a book that I wasn't expecting to have as much suspense as it did and there was one night that I was just I like the night that I finished the book I had to stay up it's like I maybe I started reading it like 10 and I was up until 2 30 like finishing it because I was just at a point in the book where I couldn't put it down I had to know what the characters um what happened to the characters and I feel like that is something I experienced a lot as a child and don't necessarily get as much now as an adult, which I think made it one of the books that one people recommended to me a lot and that I've recommended to people a lot also. Yeah, that's definitely been a word of mouth hit for sure. The book is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, a novel by, uh, what is the author's name again, Gretchen? Yep, Gabrielle Zevin. Gabrielle Zevin, that's right. Awesome, thank say, you. Yeah, Douglas, That I think I also... Um, my husband had read that book, which is part of how I knew about it and had been suggested to me. Um, but I also saw it on a staff picks, right? So, um, part of room when you go in right across from the checkout is, uh, staff picks and Gretchen, they are all hits. Like I have not (laughs) pulled something off a staff pick that I have been disappointed with. Um, so even if they're not my thing, there's something interesting about every one of them. I always 
like I'm always asking them what they're reading. Everybody has such great taste on staff, even taste I don't like, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. The like the also just like the if you're trying to get a gift for someone, I feel like a staff pick's a good a good way to go as well. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to remind everybody that we would love to hear from you uh, this afternoon on a public affair. If you'd like to join our conversation about books in 2023 with our resident bookseller and a co-owner of a room of one's own bookstore, Gretchen Troy, give us a call 608-256-2001 extension nine. If you just want to share your favorite book of the year or ask for a recommendation, this is a great time to do it. Again, the number is 608-256-2001 extension nine. Uh, We could spend a little bit more time on these bestsellers, I think, Gretchen, before we talk maybe more broadly a little bit about bookselling these days. um, There are a couple that jump out at me, but I'll give you a chance first to give a shout out to any of these books on that bestseller list um, that you'd like people to know about. Yeah. um, Some of these are kind of backlist darlings, like All About Love by Bell Hooks. We just keep selling that book. Um, It keeps touching people um, in deep ways. Um, One of my favorites on the list was just like the fun romp of a fantasy novel, um, The Adventures of Amina al-Sarafi by S.A. Chakraborty. Um, It's set in kind of a magical, I think it's seventh century kind of Muslim and India area, um, Middle East area waters. This woman who is previously a pirate but hung up her pirating hat 10 years ago um, to raise her child is getting sucked back in for one last pirate adventure basically and has to get the gang back together. Um, It's, she's such a fun character. It's so like wonderful to have a middle-aged protagonist who's worrying both about her mother, but also her child. Um, She's estranged from her husband who turned out to be a demon. Oops. But she has to get back together and like work with him on some things. It's just very snappy, very fun. Um, gets a little bit like intense. It was a very gripping read. Um, I listened to it on Libro FM, which is my recommendation for anyone who is into audiobooks. Um, but it, the, the narrators were really, really funny and great. It was just a really fun, perfect choice for anyone who's into fantasy who doesn't want something super depressing. Um, yeah, my other kind of favorite book on the bestseller list is Safe and Sound by Mercury Stardust, who you've probably heard a lot about that book, but I just, it's such a an untapped niche to have like somebody explaining things to renters about how to take care of your home and fix like minor problems or deal with landlords or what you should be able to expect um, from contractors or things to think about when considering an apartment, Um, all of those elements that people rely on like word of mouth or asking their parents if they have them available, like, you know, is this okay or what should I do here? Um, But having that sort of gentle affirming, like it's okay that you don't know how to do this. If Mm -hmm. nobody taught you it, that's, you know, (laughs) not your fault. And here I'm going to help you do it. Um, Just, kind it's such a kind book and it would be a perfect gift for anyone who's renting which is like i don't know a 
a majority of people. I don't know what the percentage is offhand. Yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> and like you said, sometimes word of mouth is great, but having all of that between two covers is sometimes much easier than negotiating um, word of mouth, right? That's great. Uh, real, real addition to the list. We have a caller on the line here on A Public Affair. Joan, uh, welcome to A Public Affair. Uh, what do you have on your mind? Hi, and hi, Gretchen. It's Joan. Um, hi, Joan. I just wanted to say that, hi. I just wanted to say that it's um, uh, to encourage everybody to order their books from Room because it just takes so little time. You can do it all online, and the books come really quickly. And uh, you get to support your local bookstore. That's my first thing. But second, um, there are two books that I really love this year that are um, not real difficult reads, but super surprising and interesting. One was Solito, which Gretchen, you will know the the author. Um, Javier Zamora. Thank you. There we go. (laughs) And and, um, what was so surprising to me about Solito was how this adult man just went back to his eight-year-old self and was able to describe what it was like for him to come by himself uh, across the border to join his family in the United States. But as an eight-year-old and all the unknowns, um, it was it was just breathtaking how he did that. And the second one, which was, again, very surprising read, was Clara and the Sun, which is about a uh, a time in the future when we have robots as family members and as partners and and friends and siblings to children. And again, it was just one after, one thing after the next of how this would play out, you know, as the robot wound down. And anyway, the both I would I would really recommend them both as just interesting, compelling reads. Well, thanks, John. Yeah, thank you so much for the call, Joan. And uh, I would ditto uh, Javier Zamora's work. He's also a poet, and this is his first book as a nonfiction writer. The one you mentioned, Solito, is a memoir of him uh, coming as an eight-year-old to the United States from El Salvador on his own to um, find his parents. Yeah, great book. Thanks for that one, Joan. Um, Gretchen, a couple more minutes maybe on the bestsellers. One thing that jumped out at me as well is this is not a book dominated by New York Times bestsellers, but there's one big name on there that seems to speak to your community at A Room of One's Own, and that's Barbara Kingsolver, of course. uh, Her uh, latest novel, Demon Copperhead, which I know has been a big book club book as well. Tell us about that book and what uh, you think the enduring appeal of, of Barbara Kingsolver is. Oh, man. Barbara Kingsolver sells herself. She's just such a strong writer. Um, I haven't read this one because I didn't need to, really. Um, And I have small children again. But it did win the Pulitzer. Um, She, I've read some of her backlist, and she's just so good at creating a story and a world and characters. And this one is a kind of a historical work. Have you read it at all? I haven't read this one, no. Read much of her yeah. work, but not this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it deals with like foster care, child labor, um, teenage single mother in a trailer, um, kind of a lot of kind of hard things, but she infuses all of her work with this this beautiful sense of of truth and experience and and joy. Like there's a little bit of happiness in even the like most darkest moments in her stories 
Yeah, that's very uh, accurate in terms of what what I take away from her work, what I've read in it. So um, great to see somebody who's just made such an impact on the American literary world over the long term, continuing to turn out great books. Um, So that's Barbara King Sullivan's Demon Copperhead. I want to make sure we have time, Gretchen, to talk about um, young adults and children's books and middle readers. Uh, You devote a really beautiful section of your store to that uh, audience and those readers. Um, Tell us about recommendations for uh, young people that you have this year for us. Yeah, um, we have so many great kids books these days. There are are particularly a lot of wonderful comic books and graphic novels for kids, um, which my my seven-year-old has been somewhat of a, like on a slower learning curve of reading and comic books make it so easy for them to approach the story and be able to have a little bit of autonomy with sitting down and looking at a story. And even when they can't figure out exactly what the different words are, they're able to experience the story itself a lot of times, especially for books that are geared towards kids who are maybe not yet reading super fluently. Um, So I often recommend graphic novels. I know some people are like, I'm trying to get my kid to read an actual book. And I'm like, a graphic novel is a book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, there's incredible art artistry that goes into making that kind of synergetic gestalt of, of art and words. And you can't just like peel them apart from one another. Um, as per usual with my store and our incredible staff, we've got like a lot of offbeat picks in the comics and um, young adults. And yeah, there's some really beautiful ones like The Magicians by Blex Bolex. He's a French cartoonist um, and he does these incredible risograph works and like how he was able to make these beautiful prints tell this like strange, wonderful journey of a story. Incredible. What a mind. Um, Kind of on the other side, like a much more narrative um, story that's really derived from the real world in a lot of ways was two tribes. Um, It's about a, it's very much great for like that kind of like older middle reader. So maybe like 10 to 12. Um, it's about a young woman who is, she's mixed race, she's Jewish and um, Muskegee. Her father was Muskegee, but her father has basically left and um, wants to stay in touch with her, but she lives with her mother and goes to school um, at a Jewish school. And so she suddenly really wants to get in touch with the other part of her identity um, because she's experiencing racist microaggressions at school and she like jumps a bus and goes to find her father and like really explore more of her history and past. So in the end, it's a very like beautifully integrated book. Like both parts of her culture are like well represented and, and that struggle is such a like well portrayed struggle in that anyone reading it can relate to it um, while still having a specificity about like, a particular type of experience and particular like cultural impacts and expressions. So, and how about, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that sounds great. How about middle readers? Middle readers. Gosh, there are some incredible ones. This is such a, like, 
a lot of people, a lot of adults are reading YA lately, which is young adult, um, which is great and helps drive their sales. I'm hopeful that more people pick up middle readers because they are becoming so sophisticated and thoughtful. And they're a space in which we, they, middle reader as a category or middle grade is more commonly termed, mm -hmm. um, generally refers to kids ages eight to 12, varyingly. Um, and so I usually describe it to people like, even if a kid is a really strong reader and can decode, um, really read a young adult novel, you might want to be considering what content you're giving them in a young adult novel. Whereas middle grade books typically aren't going to have on the page sex or swearing or just sort of the kinds of things that people tend to worry about or want to discuss with their children. Um, so it's a great space for like very magical books. It's a great space for books of, about kids who are finding their identity and exploring it in ways that sometimes there's a little bit of romance, but it's not usually like a romance storyline. Mm -hmm. Um, it's much more about finding yourself and, um, we're getting more and more authors of varying backgrounds who are getting published here, especially thanks to um, the success of Rick Riordan, um, who kind of launched a publishing imprint based on his books. It's called Rick Riordan Presents, and he gets these authors who are really up and coming, strong writers, wonderful, um, and they write in this very accessible style that is great for anyone who loved Rick Riordan's books. Um, but they set their stories and their characters in the mythologies of whatever their particular histories are. So there's authors from India and there's authors from Mexico and there's authors um, from all different walks of life, different parts of Africa um, who are creating these really like mythological, beautifully written, um, very accessible, wonderful stories. Um, and I think a lot more kids are, staying on the reading train because of them um, and also getting a lot of access to different stories that they might not have otherwise have gotten a way to find. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at some of those in the catalog, the middle readers. Um, you have Alex Wise versus the end of the world by Benton Walker, which yeah. uh, the tagline that you wrote there, Gretchen is it's for kids who are almost ready for a Rick Riordan book. Um, uh -huh. Is that one you'd like to talk about more? Or any others sure. that jump out of you? That's that's a great like stepping stone. It's just um, I I say that because sometimes the Rick Riordan books are a little scary. I've tried reading The Lightning Thief with my seven year old, and it's a little too intense. Mm -hmm. um, this one has like the apocalypse and all that exciting stuff, but it's less. Um, maybe the suspense of it is a little bit let toned down from what you might experience in a book geared for someone slightly older. It, it was an unusual book because it had a queer protagonist, a queer black protagonist, which I've never seen in a middle grade book um, too frequently, especially not one that isn't like, I'm a book about a queer, you know, eight-year-old or whatever. It was very much a, it's billed as a fun adventure story, um, magical, apocalyptic adventure kind of book. So it's kind of a fun little oh, representation does matter, but it's not all we're going to do. And sometimes people just want to have people who are like them having adventures in stories, especially kids that age. Mm -hmm. 
I want to make sure we have time here on A Public Affair as well to talk about nonfiction picture books. And I want to let people know there's still time to give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9. My name is Douglas Haynes. I'm talking with Gretchen Troy, co-owner of A Room of One's Own Bookstore in Madison. This is our annual uh, book show in December where we like to talk about good books from the year past and even farther back sometimes and what's happening in the bookselling world these days. Um, there were a couple that uh, we talked about before we went on air, Gretchen, that I think uh, uh, folks should know about that are in your catalog for nonfiction picture books for kids. And one of them is Beasts of the Ancient World, A Kid's Guide to Mythical Creatures. Um, tell us about that one. It looks so beautiful. It's so lovely. DK is, um, Doreen Kingsley is the publisher of this book and many other wonderful books. Um, they've been doing these just lovely packages. So it's, it feels like such a gifty book. It has like heft, it has incredibly lovely art. Um, and this particular book is just kind of short retellings of various world mythologies around beasts and mythical creatures. Um, it's great. I've been reading it with my seven-year-old again. Um, and it's, we get through like probably three of the stories in a night and then we kind of pause and talk about them and, and have a little like imaginative, like, Oh, I wonder why people thought this about the Sphinx or whatever character it is. Um, it also kind of intersperses like there's a page about magical horses in different cultures and different like takes on mermaids in different cultures and so it has this very world culture feeling while being just sort of nice bite-sized stories um that give kids a really interesting take on mythology it's just a nice nice book that isn't just like oh i'm reading the grim fairy tales and that's it uh-huh uh-huh. Any of the other picture books that jump out at you that you'd love to share about? Uh, a lot of these titles look really interesting to me, but I'll let you choose here. It's, it's such a good time for beautiful nonfiction picture books <laughs> um, and, and fiction picture books. Like the illustrations are incredible and we're getting so many books that are written by people who have not historically been represented, especially in picture books. Um, the... The Winter's Gifts, that was one of my favorites this year. It's about an indigenous child who um, like reflects on what their her culture's traditions are around um, the winter and kind of the solstice and the turning of the seasons and how it's a time of patience and connection and waiting and, and rest. And so like playing games with your family and that kind of thing. And um, at school, other kids have different traditions and they don't understand what she means by this. And so she has kind of a moment where she has to decide like how she's going to convey what her practice is and which of her friends is she going to bring into it in a particular way. And it's just a really beautiful little book about friendship across cultures, but centering the non-white, non-Americanized culture. Um, there are other ones, the collaboration between um, Amanda Gorman and Christian Robinson. Christian Robinson's art is so good. This book is called Something Someday. It's a very like simple and clever little book. Um, the art is beautiful. Christian Robinson is an like probably one of the top tier artists working today. And he's 
like really struck gold with this one. Um, and Am- Amanda a- Gorman, of course, the the young poet who did uh, the inauguration um, poem for Biden's inauguration. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's just such a dream team, um, and it's a beautiful book. It's a great book for younger kids. Um, it just is very accessible and simple, and but also rewards multiple readings just between the art and the and the poem. Speaking of picture books, uh, we have about five minutes left, and I know um, something near and dear to me and some of our my listeners as well here on A Public Affair is Science and Nature, and I wanted to draw uh, our attention to one of the books that you highlight in the Science and Nature section in your holiday catalog, um, sure. The Enduring Appeal of Fungi and, and um, Martin Sheldrake. Uh, and his book, Entangled Life, there's a new illustrated edition of this, which looks absolutely gorgeous. These full page uh, photographs, uh, close up photographs of fungi. Um, tell us a little bit more about Entangled Life. And also maybe uh, there's a whole suite of fungi books there uh, on the oh shelf in the in the back of the store there at Room of One's Own. Mushrooms are having such a mycelial moment. They are like everyone is so into them, like that kind of. I think it, it speaks to this broader concern that we as a culture are having of like trying to find new ways to connect and to understand. And I think the way that Sheldrake approaches talking about mushrooms and like talking about how fung- fungi connect so many people and, and things and perspectives and just like thinking about things in different angles and ways. Um, it's just like very, very, a thing right now um, that people are looking for. I just loved flipping through that book. I love the art. Um, the photographs that they include are just like beautiful pieces of art. It would be such a great coffee table book and just like different from what other people might have on their coffee tables. So Yeah, for sure. And then uh, as I said, there are all these other fungi books there that you might not find other places. Tell us about how that happens at A Room of One's Own. And foraging books okay. I noticed as well. Yeah, um, partly we're, we try to be really responsive both to what our staff are interested in, because like I said before, they are people of incredibly discerning and sometimes offbeat taste. Um, but anything that they can get excited about and like find a person to be excited about it too um, is gold in my opinion. So I just want people to have a wonderful experience that they couldn't have anywhere else when they come into our store. And I know like other stores in Madison do that too. Like I also, I know we've been talking about my store a lot, but there's a new store downtown called Lake City Books. They are specializing largely in children's books and they're right next to the Children's Museum, which is so convenient. And they've done such a beautiful job with that space. Um, There's Kismet Books in Verona. Um, Again, an incredibly gorgeous, like beautiful brick building, a beautiful kind of community space in their for artists and and books. Um, great, wonderful, check them out. There's Mystery to Me on Monroe Street who are longtime friends of ours. Um, they do a wonderful job, especially around book clubs and community work. Um, we've got Leopold's, I haven't made it over there yet since the pandemic, I'm so sorry. Um, but I've heard great things, especially about kind of how they focus on travel and they have an unusual shelving system there where it's they group books by place instead of by author and category 
which I think is really a, a cool approach. Um, and then there's the book deal who I just went in there for the first time recently and what an incredible, strange, lovely little space. And they are doing so much good for the community. The way that they approach getting books out there into Madison and, um, working with organizations like the Madison reading project and other community groups, um, like we are in such a beautiful place in Madison to be part of this wonderful independent bookstore kind of movement in moment. So I really appreciate all my fellow booksellers, especially my staff, but also especially the other ones in town. I'm really glad you, you brought that up. And that was a, a great way to talk about the importance of independent booksellers in the community. Just as the last word or, or two here, Gretchen, how are independent bookstores doing these days uh, now that the pandemic has eased, at least the restrictions around pandemic? Um, what's happening with independent bookstores and independent bookselling these days? Um, it's been okay. It hasn't been like incredible and it hasn't been terrible um, the last year or two. We're kind of, I, what I hear from other booksellers is it hasn't been a great year, but it hasn't been like a terrible year. Um, so I think books are increasing in price. Like a lot of publishers are increasing prices of books by like multiple dollars. So it's pretty noticeable. Um, you'll see a lot of hardcover nonfiction is now over $30, like almost by standard, um, which is, is tough. Like people, especially if they are on limited budgets, like that's a lot to lay out for a book and you have to really know you want it. Um, but like people are readers. People love books. People love the connections that they make at their local bookstores. Um, they love to find exactly the right thing to read. Um, and books like can be such a comfort in difficult times. They can be life-changing if they happen to you at the right moment um, and are the right book. So like we really believe in what we're doing. And I think most independent bookstores are going to hang in there yeah. and be there for you. We're going to have to leave it there, and that's a great place to leave it. I've been talking with Gretchen Troy, co-owner of Room of One's Own Bookstore in Madison. Thank you so much for being with us today, Gretchen. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Douglas. I'm your host, Douglas Haynes. I'd like to thank today's engineer, Andrew Thomas, producer, Jade Isiri Ramos, and news director, Shali Pittman. If you enjoyed the show today, please do share it with others on our online archive or wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today on A Public Affair here at WORT 89.9 FM, Madison. Stay tuned for Madison Bookbeat. Today, David Ahrens talks with Therese Allen about the new Dane County Farmer's Market cookbook. I grab the mic because I like to take it.